worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds a victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals, we sing to the God who saves, we sing to the God who always takes away. Cause He hung up on that cross, and He rose up from that grave, my God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Oh. 
heaven Abba Father God of glory Lord of life Be my fortress my protector be my strength and guiding light Love of heaven please be with me do not hide your face from me in my darkness please consume me love of heaven grace and peace love of heaven please be with me do not hide your face from me in my darkness please consume me love of heaven grace and So today I want to take you to Matthew 20, and I want to look at the closing passage in, in this chapter of Scripture. In the NIV, this, the section is entitled, Two Blind Men Received Sight. Can you imagine? Can you imagine one minute being blind and the next minute you are seeing with your own two eyes? What a miracle, what a miracle that would be to receive that kind of, of a blessing. Well, I, I, um, I am extremely nearsighted. I started wearing glasses when I was in the fourth grade, and I was one of those kids that by the time I got to junior high, they call it middle school now, by the time I got to junior high, I was the proud owner of some very thick lenses. And um, so anyway, the day came that I was able to get contact lenses, and that was a great day. It changed everything to move from those those thick lenses to, to contacts. Uh, and then the day came that uh, I was one of the fellows who went and got LASIK surgery. And I'll never forget the day that I went in and the doctor laid me back in the chair and it was a very quick procedure. And as he's doing his work, I'm laying back and he said, okay, I want you to look at the clock. And I said, what clock? <laughs> I couldn't see the clock on the wall. And he said, well, there's a clock, and he kind of directed me. There's a clock right over there. And for me, it was just a dark blur. And he said, when I, when I get done, I want you to read uh, the time off of that clock. And so he did the, the little laser procedure and then uh, had me look in the direction of the clock and said, you know, what time is it? And I don't remember what the time was. It was on a Thursday morning. I remember that. Becky and Diane, my wife Becky and Diane Reeves, took me to Greenville for this procedure. And they said, we're going we're gonna to drop you, and then we'll, we'll come back. We're going to go get a cup of coffee. And I said, okay. And so, um, so anyway, the doctor says, okay, what time is it? And I don't remember, but let's say I'm looking at this clock here, and I said, oh, my goodness, it's 11 o'clock. I can't believe I can see this clock. It was a life-changing moment. No glasses, no lenses. I am seeing 2020 or better. It was like I was seeing. Now I'm not only seeing the clock, I'm seeing through the clock. And so they got me all done, got me checked out, and they said, okay, uh, 
uh, your ride will be here. So if you'll go out front, they'll, they'll be there to get you. So I go out and there's nobody there. Imagine that. Thank the Lord we were living in the age of cell phones. And so I called and I said, hey, um, hey, Beck, I'm done. Oh, my goodness, you got done quick. And I said, yes, I did. We're at Target. We'll be there in a minute. But all the way home, I'm reading license plates. And, and why am I sharing it? Because I'm telling you, we read a passage like this. Oh, okay, I've read this passage before. Two blind men got their sight. Man, think about that. Stop and think about that. Total darkness. And then Jesus touches you. And you're seeing, maybe for the first time, or maybe like you haven't seen since childhood, and you cannot believe what has happened. That your sight has been restored. Now, I want to read this passage, and then I want to lift out some of the truths in this passage that I think really have an implication, if you will, when it comes to our daily lives. Beginning with verse 29, it says, And as they went out of Jericho, that's Jesus and his disciples, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men setting by the roadside. Now let's stop there for just a second. They weren't in church. They, they had no idea at the moment that they sat down on the roadside that Jesus was going to be passing this way because the very next thing it says, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out. So they're sitting by the road. They were put there that they might have an opportunity to ask alms of those who would pass by. They, they were put in an advantageous location where people might drop by and drop something in the dollar club, okay? Just, just give a little bit out of our plenty to make a difference in the lives of people who aren't able, for whatever reason, for these guys, their blindness, they weren't able to take care of themselves, and so position them in a place where people passing by might enter into their life struggle and help them to face another day. By the roadside, not in church, not at a prayer meeting, not gathered in a place where people are anointing them and praying for them like we did just a few minutes ago. Just out by the roadside and Jesus, they heard Jesus is passing by. Now they could have thought, he's busy. He's got a huge crowd gathered around him. He certainly doesn't have time for two beggars today, two blind beggars. No, he's got more important things to tend to than to stop and spend a moment with us. Um, besides, if we call out, he probably won't even be able to hear us because of the, the clamoring of the crowd. Sound familiar? How many times have I convinced myself, God, God's got bigger fish to fry? I, do I really want to bother him with this? Do, do, I really, do I really want to become fixated on this particular moment, this particular need? But these guys, listen to this. They heard that Jesus was passing by and they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more. Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be open. 
And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and they followed him. Sitting on the roadside, Jesus passes by. And rather than be silenced, they were determined this might be their one opportunity to have life turn around for them. And they called out to him. They didn't tell him how to do his work. They just called on him on the basis of the authority that was invested in him because they understood that he was born in the line of David and maybe they had some inkling of an understanding that this could be Messiah. But whatever they believed, their faith was enough to turn Jesus in their direction. And he asked them, what, what do you want from me? And so the important thing, I think, to begin with here today is to, to understand there comes a time in our lives when we need, to, we need to be able to come to a place where we acknowledge our need. First of all, just in general, that we have needs, that we are frail human beings who need the help that comes from, from God, who needs the help that comes from time to time from neighbors and family and friends to not allow pride to get between us and the opportunity to experience the miracle of God's provision for us. There's something very powerful about a person recognizing, I need help. There's something going on here that, that I can't answer in and of myself. There's something that is beyond the remedy that I could offer for this particular need in my life or in the life of a family member. And so to come to that place of humility to say, Lord, I need help. But then Jesus calls them to become very specific about recognizing what their need is, not just a general touch. What do you want me to do for you? Well, Lord, we're blind. We want you to give us our sight. Once again, there's a powerful something in not only acknowledging our need in a general sense, but there's something very powerful about us coming face to face with a particular need that we know is represented in our lives. And to confess that before the Lord. Confession is not meant to be just a shameful moment. It's meant to be a moment of agreeing before an all-knowing God that I know that there is this something in my life that is lacking, and Lord, I need your blessing if I am to get beyond where I am in this particular area of need in my life. There's something very powerful about us confessing our need for help, whether it's illness, if there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. If there's sin in your life, confess your, your needs to one another and together call upon the Lord for his forgiveness and his healing in your spiritual being. There's something powerful about us acknowledging our need but being very specific in the acknowledgement of that need. Listen, you know you as you're sitting here in church this morning or as you're listening by way of online, you know you better than anybody in the room. Accepting the very presence of Jesus. He knows us better than we know ourselves. But here's the thing. 
There comes a time in our lives when we need to come before the Lord and be very specific and say, God, I need your help, and here's how I need your help. For these guys, it was blindness. For you, it might be a fear that you have. For you, it might be a, a, a place that is broken in you, and you know that it's broken. You know that you're not where you want to be or where you could be. And, and, and there comes a time when we bring that in particular to the Lord. There comes a time when we move beyond just being general in our appeal and we become specific in our requests. Because there's something about acknowledging I have this in my life that I need to lay before you that God already knows it, okay? He already knows it. You're not informing Him, but what you're doing when you become specific is you are actually now surrendering that into His hands. And there's something very powerful about us understanding that we have surrendered this into the hands of another person. trying to search my mind for an, for an instance, for an example. And here's what comes to me. When I, when I moved to Columbia, I had just graduated from college. Um, I had GI Bill the last two years of, of my college experience. But when I got to the end, somehow there was, a, there was $800 outstanding. And $800. Praise the Lord, it was only $800, you know, not $80,000. But I owed them $800, and, and it didn't hold up my graduation, but it was like I got, this, I got this note after the fact you have an outstanding balance of. And so um, I don't even remember how it came about, but Brother Jackson, who was the pastor of First Church of God in Columbia, um, and I don't know if I mentioned I had to mention it to him, but I don't remember how it happened, but anyway... The next thing I know, he's coming to me and he said, uh, just wanted you to, I w just wanted to let you know that the, the Board of Trustees decided that we're going to take care of that $800 and we've, we've already sent a check to Warner Southern and so you, you don't owe them that $800. Wow, that was so nice of them to do that. It was kind of like a welcome gift. But the point is, if someone had not known about that, there was no opportunity for that to even be addressed. Um, there's something about us, God already knows, but there's something about us naming what's happening in our lives and laying in His hands that becomes very powerful for our good. Not only in the sense that God is able to take care of this situation, but the fact that we have surrendered it into hands bigger than our hands, trusting for resources that are beyond our resources. There's something very freeing about that. There's something very powerful about that. There's something about acknowledging our need to the level that we believe Jesus is able to take care of it that becomes an opportunity for miraculous things to happen. Acknowledge. Lord, this is what's happening. This is, what, this is what is broken. This is what is, I'm struggling with. Lord, this, this, is, this, this is the need of the moment. And I, I give it to you, Lord. And I believe in who you are. And I believe, Lord, that if you spoke the worlds into existence, that you can speak to this need 
that is present in my life. But something else they did. Not only did they acknowledge their need and, and name it and believe Jesus for what only He could do, have mercy on us, Son of David. Have mercy on us. They believed that He could make the difference. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe Jesus can make a difference in your situation, in your particular need? There are always going to be those who are detractors. For them, it was the crowd there that day. Leave him alone. Can't you see he's busy? And they could have been silenced, but they refused to be silenced. As the crowd became louder, their cries were louder. They would not be turned away. There is a dynamic in work, at work in all of our lives, spiritually speaking, that we need to be aware of. There is this person who is named, if you will, in Scripture as the Prince of Darkness. And he will even present himself as an angel of light sometimes. We're talking about Satan. And Satan, when you call out to the Lord, he will become loud in trying to drown out your cries and trying to discourage you from crying out. He will try to convince you that the Lord doesn't care about what's happening in your life or that this is something you ought to take care of yourself. In any number of distracting thoughts. And, and you and I need to understand that when we call out to the Lord, the devil's doing everything he can to discourage us and disillusion us and to keep us from receiving the answer that God is wanting to bring to our particular need. And when that happens, we need to call out even more in the name of Jesus for his grace and his power to be bestowed in our lives. Vernon blessed me this week. He came by and visited for a few minutes the other day got off the tractor cutting hay and, and came to, to take care of a couple of things. And as he was sharing with me, he was talking about uh, how important it is that, that we not allow the, the external voices to, to have us believe something other than what God would have us to take hold of. And you talked about speaking to it. And how that we need to be careful that we, we don't speak to the, the maladies and, and, the, and, the, and the distractions and, and the brokenness that is at work in all of our lives, but that we need to listen for the voice of God in what is happening. Sometimes we need to hear the voice of God rather than the voice of the doctor. Sometimes we need to hear the voice of God instead of the voice of the lawyer. Sometimes we need to hear the voice of God other than besides the voice of family members and, and those who, who don't quite see what it is that God is delivering to our experience. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of truth in this. Y'all, we've got to be careful that we will not be silenced when we, are, when we are brought to a moment of faith to believe in the Lord for what He is wanting to bring to pass in our experience. When you come up here to be anointed, do you know that even in this gathering that the devil's doing everything that he can discourage us in that moment of faith? that he would plant a doubt that would keep us from receiving the glory and the power of what God is wanting to bring to our given specific need in that hour. Confront the detractors. Do not be silenced by the one who would plant negative thoughts and would have you to believe that God doesn't care or God isn't able or that there's something else going on here. Acknowledge your need. Believe in Jesus. Confront the detractors. Dare, dare to 
to ask for the unimaginable, the unexplainable miracle that God is wanting to bring to your life. Years ago, I was a young fellow, and I, I was having some pain that, I mean, would almost bring me to my knees. At that point, I had not, I hadn't been in Columbia, but just a short time. I didn't have a doctor, and someone at the church recommended that I go to see this particular doctor, and so I went to see him. And he said, well, we need to run some tests. It sounds like you're having gallbladder issues. And um, I said, okay. And so they ran some tests, and he said, well, I can't really tell from, from the results exactly what's going on, but it, it, just, it's, it sounds just like gallbladder. But let's give it some time and see what happens. And so I thought I had been to visit a guy at VA who had had gallbladder surgery. Just, just like a couple of months before this was all happening. Um, he was an older gentleman. It was the old VA hospital. You walk down those long hallways at that old hospital. And so I go in to see him and he is in the bed and he's got on a hospital gown. I'm meeting this guy for the first time in my life. I'm like 25 years old, 26 years old. He's, he's, he's probably 68, which I am now, and I thought, man, he's old. And um, he's just old country boy. He's laying in that bed. He, he, he kind of pivots himself around, sets up on that bed in that hospital gown. He said, Preacher, I want you to look at what they did to me. And he ripped that gown open, and y'all, he was cut in two. I mean, he had staples all the way around him. And I said, why did they do that? And he said, gallbladder. And I, he said, are you all right? I said, no, man, let's pray. I was, man, I felt the life draining out of me. And so when the doctor told me, I think it's gallbladder, I thought, they're going to cut me in two. I don't want to be cut in two. Lord, I don't know what's going on, but would you please heal me? And I haven't had gallbladder problems since. And it doesn't happen that way every time with everybody. I, don't know, I can't explain all of that. That's God's work. But all I can do, hey, all I can do is give witness to the fact, boy, I almost went down there, didn't I? Woo, let me move that. <laughs> you like that, Mark? Mark, like a, you like that, don't you? <laughs> I, I don't know why God chose to do that for me at that time, but I'm telling you, I, I'm just bearing witness. Like another blind man that was healed, the, the Pharisees came to him and said, uh, you say Jesus healed you. Would you say he is a sinner or 
or, or would you say he's a saint? He said, look, all I can tell you, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not, but all I can tell you is once I was blind, but now I see. And I don't know why God touched me, but all I can tell you is I've never had that pain again since. Would you dare to ask for what is unimaginable? Oh, there's no way this could work out, preacher. Gallbladder is one thing, but you, you just have no idea what I'm going through right now. There's no way. There's no way. With man, it is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Ephesians 3.20 says God does far above what we can even think to ask for. Maybe your prayer this morning should be this. Lord, I don't even know how to tell you what I'm going through. But you already know. And I need your help with that. That I can't even explain. Lord, I'm not here to tell you how to do your work. But I'm telling you, if you don't reach in, it's only going to get worse. Lord, have mercy on me. Son of David, the one who has come into this world as Messiah, as God with us. God, be with me. Have mercy on me. Reach into this moment of need in my life. And help me, Lord, to trust you for your answer, for what you're wanting to bring. Help me, Lord, to engage my opportunity through faith for something miraculous to happen that will bring glory to your name, but also will bring peace and joy to my existence. They were just sitting on the roadside. Just another day in the hot sun outside the town limits of Jericho just hoping they would get enough in, in their little basket to make it another day. Just hoping that someone would have mercy. That someone would see that they're two old blind men, they can't take care of themselves. That someone would just be benevolent. They never dreamed that this would be the day that not just someone, but the Son of God would have mercy on them. And they would forever leave their blindness behind. Preacher, that's a great story. It's a story that calls us to faith. It's not just a story that's shared that we might have another historical lesson about the life and the ministry of Jesus. But it is put there that you and I might realize God knows us like He knew them, those two fellows. That God hears us when we cry to Him. That God does miraculous things when we dare to just let Him have His way with us. And some of us are hung up, to be honest, some of us are hung up because we're not getting there because we haven't laid it in His hands. We've listened to the detractors. We've wavered. 
James says, if you waver, you can't really expect the answer at all. And so, Lord, deliver us from our wavering and help us with boldness and with childlike trust just to call upon you for what you are wanting to do in our lives. I don't think there are any blind people here this morning needing to receive their sight, but I know that there's a room full of people who need all kinds of different things that we're not able to provide for ourselves. Here's our chance, again, to cry out to Him. Here's my need, Lord. You know already, but I'm, I'm telling you, this thing, this something, I can't fix it. I'm going to give it to you this morning because I hear you. I hear you reaching into my life. I feel your hand all over my soul this morning. My heart responds to your presence in this place. I didn't know this would happen like this today at church. Just like they didn't know alongside the road it would happen that day. Touch me, Lord. Have mercy. Would you bow your heads? Just a moment of, of, of pri private quietness. My eyes are open. I'm looking just to give you an opportunity to express your faith. The Bible says if two people agree and touch anything in his name, that the answer will come. And so I, you're one and I'm the other one, so two are agreeing. If you're praying for the mercy of God to be bestowed in a particular way in your life this morning. I want you just, and I need you to leave your hand up for a second, but I want you to raise your hand because I'm going to scan the room and I'm going to agree with you. All right? I see your hands. All right? Okay? Bless you. Bless you. Lord, you see our hands. We call for your mercy. We don't know how you do your work. We don't understand your timing always. But Lord, we know you know us and we know you love us and we know nothing is beyond the realm of possibility with you. Even the things that are impossible for us, that are unimaginable for us, Lord, you work in that realm. And so you've seen our hands of faith this morning particular request being laid at your feet. Now, God, have mercy. And do not let us be silenced by those who would detract us from the miraculous touch that you're wanting to bring to our lives. We acknowledge our need. We believe in your love and your power. And now, Lord, we take hold of the answer that you will bring in your way and in your time. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do as we simply trust you. Thank you for the miracles that will come to pass 
that will line up right beside such a thing as a blind man being given his sight. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us? Oh, 